And here's McDavid. Jitterbugging his way through the neutral zone. Off to Dreisaitl. 55 goals. Dishes off. Barry shoots and scores. Edmonton takes the lead. 3-2. Tyson Barry, his first of the series. And the Oilers back in front in game six. Barry with a BB, and it's Game 7, baby. The Oilers take it in Los Angeles 4-2. They stay alive. They're coming home, and they're bringing the Kings with them. 6 o'clock face-off show on Saturday, Game at 8, Game 7 between the Oilers and the Kings. A gutsy, gutsy performance tonight by the Edmonton Oilers. Rob Brown. It was, and it starts with Connor McDavid. Uh, you need your best players to be the best players on the ice, and Connor McDavid was from shift one all the way to shift uh, the last one of the night. He he dominated. He was good offensively. He's good defensively. He probably took the biggest hit I've ever seen him take in his career here in Edmonton and center ice, uh, shook him up a bit and came out, and the next shift was even better. Uh, and then followed down with uh, players like Leon Dreisaitl, probably playing at 50%, but was out there and set up the, the game-winning goal. Evander Kane uh, was brilliant again in his uh, first playoff series with the Edmonton Oilers. So from top to bottom, this Oilers team came out and played their most complete game. Now, they had a couple blowouts in earlier in the series, but they didn't have any pushback like they did tonight from the LA Kings. This was a game that hung in the balance, and I believe once the LA Kings tied it up in the third period, the Edmonton Oilers played better. And they were the better team through the last 19 minutes of the third period and deserved the victory. Connor McDavid, a goal and two assists. Evander Kane, two goals and an assist. Mike Smith stops 30 out of 32. The Oilers win at 4-2. Plenty ahead. Let's start with head coach Jay Woodcroft. It was an exciting game. I thought... Um our players really dug in and found a way to win the game and it's the most important thing. One of the most important things the team has to do is focus on what they can control. However, it seemed like there were a lot of calls kind of going against your team tonight. How did you guys kind of fare through that battle? Well, I mean, you guys watched the game. Um, I would say a really good coaching mentor of mine once told me that there's only a few jobs in hockey. One's a player, one's a manager, one's a coach, and one's a ref. And I coach. That's my job. Speaking of your job as coach, uh, what was behind the decision not to challenge the uh, goaltender interference call? Mm, just experience and uh, listening to what our uh, video coach had to say. Uh, he's He's been unbelievable um, throughout his tenure in the National Hockey League, and we trusted it. And we knew we were going to find a way to, to win without that call going our way. We know you want to put a focus on your starts. Um, I think McDavid had five or six shifts in the first like eight minutes of that game. Just maybe the job he did to light things off for you guys, him specifically, if you can. Well, I, I can't say enough about Connor McDavid. I mean, you know, his play speaks for itself. It's otherworldly. Um, in terms of the start to uh, the game, um, we did some things. His shifts weren't long. Uh, we did some things to help us. And, um, you know, he was a leader in, in us doing what we needed to do in that, that first little bit in the first period. Dry settle too. Looked like he was cutting through some stuff uh, in the second yeah, half. He's a game. warrior. He's a warrior. I don't worry about him. But he, uh, you know, he ended up making the play on the winning goal. And, uh, you know, it was a good win for us. What did you see on that Anderson kind of takedown with him? Is in a scrum and is there anything kind of serious there? You want me to refer you back to that other answer? Um, I mean, you guys saw it. I know what I saw, but you guys saw that. And, you know, we're moving on. We got the win. Jay, how would you characterize the demeanor of the club after allowing the tying goal early and then as the period kind of progressed? Calm, composed. We knew uh, that we have the horses on the bench to get the job done. Um, you know, for me, I thought um, there was a really good tempo and rhythm of the way we wanted to play. I thought we had the bulk of the chances. You know, we ended up on the kill four times, I think, tonight, but the bulk of their chances occurred there. Um so for us, we've, we felt we did a lot of really good stuff, and we just stuck with it. We're persistent, uh, kept hammering away at the rock, and eventually it split. 
You guys are really sorry. You guys are really going uh, when that disallowed goal happened. Was there any kind of concern that if you did take a penalty, that you kind of kill some of your momentum or anything like that? I know you. Yeah, yeah. no. It's just kind of what I I said earlier is through experience and through uh, the trusty eye of Jeremy Capal, our video coach, we made what we felt was the best decision possible. There was a lot of. I mean, emotion in that game, especially at the end. You guys score the goal, you get the win. That's kind of for your team. You know, Andrew Kane, you know, flashing seven to the, mm -hmm. the fans in the crowd. Just what do you see in that moment from your group? Well, he must not have liked the celebration in our building uh, after they had scored. Um, you know, I I think Vander plays with emotion and and uh, he's looking forward to the next game. Speaking of that, it's, it's game seven. This is, you know, the, what you wanted, where you wanted it. What do you tell your guys going into that? Is the ball in your court or are you starting from scratch? What's the scenario? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go enjoy this with the, my coaching staff and our players for about the next 10 minutes. And then we're, gonna, and then we're parking it. <laughs> we're parking it and we're going to um, try and travel the best we can, recover the best we can, and uh, prepare the best we can for a big game. Is there something to be said for navigating that scene? Because it's going be, to be a bit of a firestorm in the, inside that building in terms of just calming the emotions and not... Uh, I think our players have played three games in that building here in this, this playoff run. Uh, we know what to expect. We've been a good home team all year, and uh, we're looking forward to bringing that game in game number seven. What did you see from your group of seven defensemen without Darren Nurse tonight and the way that they, they handled things? Saw um, a group of players willing to sacrifice for each other. Um, people step up when called upon. I saw a young man uh, get his footing in a game six of the National Hockey League playoffs. I saw Chris Russell um, sacrificing his body uh, at every turn. And uh, I was proud of that group of seven tonight. Thanks. That is Jay Woodcroft. His Edmonton Oilers win 4-2 in Los Angeles to take this series to a seventh game. It will be an 8 o'clock start time at Rogers Place on Saturday night. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown joining you for Heartland Ford overtime open line. Well, Rob, a lot of storylines in this uh, in this game, and and Drysital, who clearly, at least clearly to me, has not been right probably for most of this series, uh, and, and was taken down in the in the first period in a scrum that Woodcroft, I think, commented on by not commenting on, uh, <laughs> and uh, Drysital winds up assisting on on the game winning goal. Yeah, you could tell. I mean, he has been off. Uh, you can see it in his body language. Yet there's been no complaint. He's come out and answered questions, never talked about it, uh, hasn't shown any of the emotion, doesn't allow the other team to uh, pick up on it. He just goes out and plays his game. And uh, you could tell when he left the ice after he got taken down in the scrum, you could tell it was, it, it looks like an ankle. It looks like he, t he turned his ankle when he went down. And there were, I mean, watching it on TV probably three or four times where you saw the, the ankle wobble on him when he was trying to either shoot or, or, or go from one direction to another. Uh, yet he just went out and did his job. And the play that he made to Barry, he gave Barry an opportunity to walk in by himself to about 15 feet out on the game-winning goal. And that's what happens in playoff hockey. You you play through injuries, you play through pain to, to give your team a chance to win and to, to live another day. So hopefully with a couple of days rest, some ice and some uh, some work with uh, physio or the trainers, whatever it takes, that he'll be capable of putting his skates on and playing again on Saturday night because uh, the LA Kings aren't going to quit and they're going to need uh, an even better effort on Saturday. The others are to win the game to win Game Seven. So uh, Leon Drysettle and all the players they came into to, to Los Angeles tonight with a a goal of getting back to Edmonton. And they accomplished it by playing a really good hockey game. Leon Dreisaitl tonight plays 18-25, gets an assist, two shots on goal, goes 11 out of 15 in the faceoff circle for 73%. He's our fourth star of the game for Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, head to sentinel.ca. I think you could nominate a few guys here, Rob. The three stars, by the way, were McDavid, Roy, and Barry in that order. Darnell Nurse suspended for this game. Cody Ceci plays 23 minutes, two assists, plus two. And Brett Kulak plays 21-19. He gets an assist and is plus two, three hits as well. Yeah, both very good. 
Um, the, I mean, the Oilers only rolled six defensemen tonight. Broberg, I think, had three shifts or four shifts. He only played three minutes, but the six defensemen that played ahead of him uh, were, were excellent. Uh, it, it's funny, before the game, we talked about Russell coming in the lineup, and to me, he's your safest bet ever because he gives you the exact same effort. I mean, there's his ceiling is only so high, but he reaches it every night, and it seemed like every time he was on the ice, he was blocking something and made some great blocks. Uh, he'll walk down the tunnel, walk it off, and come back out and do it again. So uh, he played good. Kulak was excellent. I think he just, I think he's gotten better. Every game that he's played for the Oilers, he's looked a little better than he did the game before. And that's a good thing. And CeCe, he's been, uh, you and I have talked about a number of times, the most consistent defenseman that the Oilers have had all season long. He's been excellent. And tonight, these defensemen were called upon to pick up the, the minutes and the ice time that Darnell Nurse would usually have, which is a lot, and they did it, and they did it fantastically. And give this a game like this just builds the confidence of other players that don't normally play in these positions. And it builds the confidence of the team, knowing that hey, we were missing a really good player tonight. We had another guy that played injured, yet we still beat this team on their rink. That goes a long way as the series and the rest of the playoffs move on. Yeah, the Oilers went with 11 forwards, 7-D, our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line. Yeah, Broberg only had five shifts, played 316. And the forward lines, I don't think it'd be possible for us to list off all the combinations tonight, <laughs> but... You know, McDavid played 24 minutes. Uh, Cassian got seven minutes. Yes, he got five and a half. You had, like I said, you had a bunch of different comedy. For a while, it was kind of Kane and Hyman had a different shift or a different center every time through. And I know you have said it before, Rob, that you have you've wanted to see. Uh, I mean, you've wanted to see a line of Kane, Drysaitel, and Hyman, which you did mm-hmm. sometimes tonight. But you like when those two wingers are on at the same time. I do because they play very similar. They play down below the goal line. Uh, they're big, strong. They take pucks to the net. They hang out in the blue area. And if they play with Leon, then they have three big, strong men that you can't get off the puck. I mean, it would be keep away. They would just toy with the opposition. Uh, I, I think what J- Woodcroft did tonight, he went into the this rink, this game, knowing that Todd McClellan had last shift or last change. And Todd wants Kopitar versus one of the superstars, and he wants Dano against the other. But what Woodcroft does, he just kept changing the lines. And every face-off, Todd McCullen had to make a decision. Okay, Connor's out there, but he's out there with Archibald and McLeod. Is he going to leave him out there, or is, or is McDavid's going to change? So it kept forcing Todd McClellan to, to put lines out there, not knowing uh, what Jay Woodcroft was going to do. So uh, to me, it was smart play. It just it took the LA Kings out of their rhythm uh, with line changes. And it's just, uh, it's mind-gamed. It's it's part of the gamesmanship. And I think it worked well for the Edmonton Oilers, especially early in this hockey game. So now the Edmonton Oilers go home and they get to decide the line matchups. And the LA Kings are going to have to change on the fly. And sometimes you can just out-change the opposition and get that one goal. And what we've seen in this series, that one goal could be a big difference and a big game-changing moment. Yeah, the team who has scored first has won every game in this series, and the Oilers struck first early tonight, just a minute 40 into the game. Connor McDavid scored his third of the playoffs. I set the line, Rob, for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it at 9.5 for Oilers' first period shots. They got to 15. Taylor took the over. He gets the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. But a better start by the Oilers tonight. Outshot the Kings 15-12 in the first period. Obviously, you know, it's it's never perfect. The, the winning goal did come relatively late in the third, but I thought the Oilers managed the puck better. I thought they were able to spend a little more time in the offensive zone. I thought they did a better job keeping the puck deep. Or, or and I, I probably Rob of all the six games, I would think in this game the Oilers mostly copied what the Kings have been doing: sharp angle shots, get it into the crease, look for a bounce, make King make quick, make a save. Maybe he juggles it. Maybe there's a rebound. I thought they committed more to that tonight. I agree. I, I, I still believe this was their best all-round game, better than the two that they blew the Kings out because the Kings tonight pushed hard and the Oilers had to earn everything they got. And when the LA Kings tied it up in the third period, I'm sure there was a lot of nervous people around Edmonton watching that game on TV. Yet the Oilers got better and they kept the puck in down deep and they kept taking the puck from below the goal line trying to stuff it and they kept winning battles down low getting pucks in deep and not really giving the LA Kings a whole lot and it was a 
it was a very, very good road game for the Edmonton Oilers, just doing the right things. There weren't a lot of uh, grade-A scoring chances for the LA Kings. They limited those. They never, they didn't turn the puck over in the neutral zone. If they didn't have anything, they punted. And a great example of good puck management was the Edmonton Oilers game-winning goal. Double A for the LA Kings is taking the puck along the out along the boards and he's driving into the other zone. He's got four very tired players on the ice. On that play, you get the puck in deep behind the net and then you go and change. Instead, he tries beating an oiler on a one-on-three and the oilers get it and they shoot it right up the ice, wait right away to get up to Connor McDavid. Now he's got his whole group caught coming onto the ice late. He goes and changes and his man is the guy that Barry who scores the goal. That's terrible puck management. You've got to realize in that position, in a tie game, you get the puck behind the goal line, and then you change. Instead, he turns the puck over in the offensive zone, and what, six, seven seven seconds later, it's the game-winning goal for the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers didn't make those mistakes today. The LA Kings dead, and it cost them. The Oilers will host a Game 7 for the first time since April 16th, 1990. They beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-1 in that game the Oilers are six and four all time in game sevens the Kings are seven and four plenty more to discuss tonight including your feedback if you want to chime in 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by CertainTeed the pros choice for roofing siding drywall insulation and ceiling systems CertainTeed pro all the way Oilers take game six 4-2 in Los Angeles this is Heartland Ford overtime open line Right-hand side, Kaliev. He stays with him. Spinning shot, save made. And the rebound sent wide of Mike Smith, who might have been wrong way there. Shot, Stetcher, save Smith. He'll cover 7.36 to go. Mike Smith, that is his save of the game for Reface Magic. Save money on your kitchen renovation. Don't replace Reface. He makes 30 stops. He's the winning goaltender. Oilers take it 4-2 in Los Angeles tonight. Evander Kane Two goals and an assist. He now has seven goals in this series. Here he is. Got to win it, and we get the, the the seven. It just seemed like lots of excitement, a lot of great things to finish that off. Yeah, uh, you know, we got off to a, a good start finally um, in this series. I thought, uh, you know, that was big for us. Um, you know, we knew they were going to push. Uh, obviously, didn't draw the, the third period start with the way we wanted to, but you know, I think uh, this group's shown it all year. Uh, sticking with it and, and not uh, not getting discouraged, and you know we knew we could uh, we could get one. We just had to make sure it was the next one. So um, we did a great job of that and bring it back home for seven. A lot of guys pushed in that first period, but I think McDavid had like six or seven shifts in the first nine or ten minutes there. Just what did you see from your captain in terms of leading the way off the start? Yeah, you know he uh, everybody I thought did a great job of getting their legs going. Obviously. Uh, you know, when he's skating like that, uh, he's really tough to handle. And um, you know, I think you saw it in the opening couple of minutes there. Obviously, had a nice, uh, nice burst of speed up the ice and, and uh, able to take it home on the wraparound. So, um, you know, he's uh, he's been great for us all series, and we're going to need him in Game Seven. That was a challenge. Like they, sorry, Daniel, they come back on you guys, and it could be like a here we go kind of moment. What was it like on the bench when they tied it? How do you think your group did with that? You know, I, you know, I think we were saying all the right things. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, talking about, you know, we're, we're in good shape. You know, it's a 2-2 hockey game in the third period in game six. Um, you know, I like our chances to, to score uh, uh, quite a bit. So, um, you know, I think we did a great job. You know, we got some calls that didn't go our way uh, and had to make some uh, some big penalty kills late in the game there. And uh, our killers did a great job. Smitty was really big uh, for us on that kill late there. And, um, you know, we were able to put it home. Speaking of calls that didn't go your way, what did you see on the goal of yours that got called back? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I really don't know. Um, I'd have to look at it. Uh, I don't really have an answer for it. 
Uh, sending fingers to the crowd after the empty night. What, is, what does that mean? It means game seven, baby. <laughs> not, not seven goals for you. <laughs> that's, that's what maybe we... we, we oh, no, I didn't even realize that. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I didn't realize that. No, it was uh, game seven. It was nice to nice to get a win here on uh, in this rink. When, when you play a game like this, an elimination game, I know you guys always believe you can win, but there's always the possibility that you're not going to. What does it do to play this game, come in here, win this game? How does it bring a team together? What's it do for you mentally? I think it builds confidence. Um, you know, there's there's guys that have been in this situation before, and there's guys that haven't. So, uh, you know, to get that experience and for it to be a positive one, um, you know, it's a good feeling. We had a tough break the other night, um, uh, and, and we just narrowed the focus and, and focusing on one game and not worrying about the outside noise and just everybody putting their best foot forward and, and having a, a good, solid team effort. Take us ahead to a Saturday night game in Canadian City, a game seven of the playoffs uh, two days from now. What's that going to be like? It's going to be juicy. <laughs> it's gonna be juicy. <laughs> I asked about seven goals. Can you talk about, you know, I don't put you on the spot about uh, talking about yourself, but how have you been able to have the series that you, you have and be this, this productive for this team? I mean, that's my, that's my part of my job. Uh, you know, I've always counted on to produce um, my whole career. And, uh, you know, in the playoffs, you know, everybody wants to raise their level and raise their game. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's what guys are doing, and I'm no different. How how do you feel your defense played tonight without Darren Nurse? I thought guys did a great job. Um, you know, obviously Nurse is a huge staple back there for us, and uh, you know having him out was definitely tough. But uh, you know we've played uh, some good games back there as a group of seven D, and I thought uh, you know the guys did a great job. Obviously Tice jumping up in the rush there and scoring a huge goal for our group. Uh, you know was the cherry on top. It's two two five minutes to go. I mean, you are confident in yourself, but you're also in a position where a fluke can end your season. What just can you describe the sense of jubilation when Barry puts that one away? Yeah, I mean, you know, the mentality isn't uh, you're not thinking about what the worst case scenario is. You're, you know, you're trying to push and and, and get the next goal. Um, and like I said, I think it was a it was a great play. It was a big goal, and um, you know, we're excited about uh, going back to our building and having a game seven. That is Evander Kane. Couple of goals tonight. Seven in the playoffs. As we have a $400 donation to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They give 100 bucks to Santa's every time the Oilers score the playoff total up to $2,500. Rob Brown, uh, Jay Woodcroft, earlier we were heard him asked about not challenging what would have been another Evander Kane goal in the second period. So I, I clarified with someone the, the Oilers could have challenged it. They could have challenged the goalie interference, uh, and you heard Woodcroft say, you know, didn't think it was worth it. Um, Would have been tough. I I know it was close. There has to be definitive evidence for them to overturn the call that was already made on the ice. Yeah, and I think that was a big part of it, is the fact that it was called no goal and immediately. So now you're asking a ref to overturn his own call that he was pretty adamant about. So it's 50-50, and you have a 2-0 lead in the hockey game. And if you're wrong, you're giving the LA Kings a power play. So it's one of those things, well, is it worth it? Um, And I I like the fact that he says we trust our our video coach. And uh, that to me, that's good management style when you have a guy that this is his job and he says this and you're going to believe him and trust him. So... Uh, I thought it was the right call as well. I just don't, I think it was too big a risk to uh, first have a goal disallowed and then possibly give up a power play goal the other way. Huge momentum momentum changer it could have been. So uh, I like the, the the no call, the no challenge, and and believe that your team with a 2 nothing lead is good enough to win the rest of the hockey game, which they were. Oilers take it 4-2. 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch We'll welcome Greg to the show. Greg, go ahead. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, well, I got some goalie stats for you again tonight. Oh, good. Um, well, Mike Smith won and Jonathan Quick didn't, so there you go. Um, but um, I have a couple quick things. Um, so um, I think the Oilers um, played a really good game today, 5-on-5. Five five. They tightened it up. I think they need to tighten it up a little bit more. Um, so, you know, they were dumping and chasing the hitting the the LA defensemen, um, you know, like they, they were in games three and four and that worked out for them. Um, but I still think they need they can tighten up a little bit more. It was a good game. But uh um I was just listening to your conversation here and 
if you actually watch the replay of that, uh, the came goal that was disallowed, if you slow it down and you watch it, the L.A. defenseman's pad, I'm not saying they should have challenged or anything like that. I'm just saying the, 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 the L.A. defenseman, his skate was the one that actually yeah. ended up tripping Jonathan Quick. Yeah, so, absolutely. No harm, no foul. Great, awesome, good game. Very stressful for me, uh, game, and my, my wife and my, my son. So, But game seven, baby, let's go. Let's get her done. Yeah, absolutely. I, one phrase I've been using throughout the postseason is embrace the tension, Rob. I mean, you know my mom oh. wants every game to be 17 nothing <laughs> for the Oilers or whatever team she's cheering for. See, I'm the opposite. I've, I've, <laughs> I've played in over 1,000 games, and now I've done well over 1,000 games for the Oilers. I don't want to see eight nothing games. I I want to see I want to see tense games. I want to see players rise to the occasion. Like tonight was fantastic in a in a tight game. Tyson Berry scores his first of the playoffs. That's awesome. This is what uh, as a fan you, you turn on a game. I, no, if someone turns on a six one game and see the score, they're turning it off. I want to see a great game. I want to see something that I'm going to remember and talk about. You know, the next day, the next week, two weeks from now. So I'm looking forward to a fantastic game Sunday. I think the LA Kings are going to play well. I think the Oilers are going to come out jumping. And again, it'll come down to the first period who scores the first goal. The LA Kings are a much better hockey club when they score first. And they're going to have to somehow beat the team and the fans on on Saturday night. Uh, they're capable of doing it. They've done it twice in this series already where they've won up here. But uh, I'm looking forward. To, I think both teams will have their best game of the series. And that's what you want in a Game 7. It's going to be a triple header for Game 7 on Saturday as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers. Head to edmontontrailer.com. The Lightning stay alive in overtime. Braden Point scored 18-04 into the extra session, so they beat the Maple Leafs 4-3. Boston forces Game 7. The home team has won every game in that series. 5-2 over Carolina tonight. Minnesota is out. The Blues win at 5-1, so they take that series in six. So it's going to be Boston, Carolina at 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. Leafs and Lightning at 5 Mountain Time. And then Oilers and Kings at 8. And our coverage is going to start with the face-off show at 6. We have Chris on the Certainty Hotline as well. Chris, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, fellas. How you doing? Good. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Much respect for your years of effort, Reed and Robin. Big-time appreciated. Well, thanks for calling. Connor, absolutely amazing tonight. Uh, just wanted to touch on Kulak and Russell, both solid stepping in the lineup. Love to see it. Big shout-out to Mike Smith since game one. He has came to play. Whatever it takes, we need to sign Evander Kane, boys. And I want to give a special shout-out to my Pillow Biter crew. In it to win it, baby. Let's go. Okay. Well, I think some pretty valid points. Again, Rob, we've, we've just, we kind of decided we're going to shy away from too much contract talk while the playoffs are going on. But I understand why fans would like to see Evander Kane stick around. Re- regardless, I mean, he's been, he's been huge. I, I, I mean, we've talked about the stats, seven goals. He, and the thing about Kane, he can impact the game without scoring. I mean, mm-hmm. it's great that he does score quite frequently, but he can also impact the game without scoring. Well, you can make a case that he's been the most valuable player for the Oilers in this series, as great as Connor McDavid has been. I mean, Evander Kane has scored seven goals. He's been a physical force. Uh, the goals that he scores are big ones at important times. Uh, he's got an intimidation factor. Uh, he's been excellent. And the thing is, every time he scores a goal, Reed, that just boosts the amount of money he's going to be able to ask for come season's end. Whoever signs him is going to have to pony up because he's proven that uh, he's got a lot of a lot of wear and tear left on his body. And he has uh, shown that he can carry uh, a team and carry a team at the right time. So he was excellent. Everyone top to bottom. Now, there were a few players that didn't play tonight. And again, uh, yes, he played I, I don't remember when his last shift was, but it was not late in the hockey game. Um, and then Fogel not being in the lineup, yet other players stepped up. And uh, certain players you didn't expect to be important at this time of year uh, have been very good. Archibald, excellent. And earning the extra ice time he's getting late in hockey games. Uh, Derek Ryan, again, 
uh, important parts of the hockey game, he's out there. And I thought Cassian was good again tonight. So the role players for the Oilers, they stepped up as well because you don't just win on the back of your superstars. You need everybody pulling the same direction. And I thought the Oilers, top to bottom, were very good. Okay, we got to get another break in. Uh, we got a full board of calls. We really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for staying up and calling. So we will get everybody in. And you're also going to hear from Tyson Berry, who got game winner tonight. The Oilers stay alive. 4-2 is the final in L.A. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Jack Michaels with the call. 4-2, the Oilers win. Whenever the Oilers get to five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. 4-2, Oilers win tonight. Game 7 is here Saturday night. Good morning. Five minutes after midnight. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Heartland Ford. Overtime open line. We have Ron from Red Deer calling in tonight. Ron, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. Hello. I I just know on Saturday the fans are going to bring it. Oh, it's going to be a nut house here. It's going to be an absolute nut house. It's going to be amazing. The uh, I don't know the I know they used to record um, like the sound levels. I bet you Empton's going to break that and it's going to be broad. Right, well, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's going to be so loud, it'll be audible in outer space. That's how, how loud I predict it'll be, Rob. <laughs> it'll be audible in outer space. Are the, is the space uh, station still open? Are they still up there right now? Yeah, beyond that. Alien cultures, that. alien cultures, thousands of years from now, will get the sound waves from tonight's game. We're probably going to see from, from Saturday's game. You're probably going to see that there's Martians wearing Edmonton Oilers jerseys this weekend. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either. They're, I mean, everyone's a Connor McDavid fan. Not just a generational talent, a universal talent. <laughs> we have Tom on the Certainty Hotline. Tom, go ahead. Evening, gentlemen. I just want to reiterate what a couple other calls have said. I believe you guys do a wonderful job on the post-game show. One of the reasons I'm listening. Um, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, a couple of things I want to say. I kind of, as much as I agree with what, as much as you say, I kind of want to disagree about the missed uh, opportunity on uh, posing the goal, called back goal. I don't believe there was as much risk as you believe. I think... Uh, you know, first off, LA's power play is pretty weak, so the risk is a little bit lower there. And we don't. True, have but they did they did score a goal tonight, though, on their power enough, play. True enough, I agree. But um, we don't have much risk in losing a goal because that's already the call been made. So yeah, but then no it could be losing a goal. Yeah, right? But the thing is, you could go from two nothing to two one right away. And I that's agree. The, I mean, they're, 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 but, it's just a risk where the coach is saying, "All right, you're gonna you're asking the referee to overturn his own call." And he talked but to his do, own video guy, and his own video guy said, you know... I think the, I th- the reason... So, okay, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think no, the reason the ref blew his call, blew the whistle, was because he believes that there was goaltender interference. Yep. But as you've already heard from a couple of the callers, the interference was from their own player. I think once they realized that that's what he blew the whistle for and that was actually what happened, I think we get the goal. Yeah, maybe. I, I, maybe. I think that... I, 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 I think you're right, Tom. I mean, that that's what... Woodcroft Wade and maybe if that would the game was tied or the Oilers were down a goal I, I think probably just the game situation mm-hmm. is 100%. why he didn't do it um, and, and you have to have and, and I'm sure Tom knows this you like they have to have 100% evidence that they think it should have been overturned well because how many the times call on Reed, the ice was goal interference no goal how many times you and I read this year have we watched one over the last number of years where we were 100% of the call that we believe was going to happen and they go to video and it's the opposite and we're sitting there dumbfounded like okay are they watching a different video than us and it happens all the time where you it's pretty obvious on the video this happened yet they somehow find the opposite and i think that's the fear and you have a lead you have a two nothing lead 
You've just lost a goal where you've given them a little bit of momentum. And now there's the risk of giving them a power play and them scoring on the power play. So all of a sudden the game just could change. You got a two nothing lead. I, I agree with Jay Woodcroft. It's game situational. You you play it safe. You've got a two nothing lead on the road. Things are going your way. Uh, if your video guys is not one hundred percent sure, then you don't you don't uh, challenge it, and you go about your business. So, uh, to me, it was the right call because there's always the unknown. I mean, video. You you and I could watch the video and see one thing, and the referee could make a different interpretation of it, and we've seen that all the time. Another thing, and now I've been told that it was challengeable. Yep. Another thing was, and obviously I can't listen to it right now, but the whistle clearly went. Now, there is that continuation rule in the NHL, and the Oilers benefited from it, I think, early in the, in the, I think in the fall of 2019 when McDavid scored that goal in New Jersey. And he shot it, and the ref thought it was under the goalie, but it actually went through the goalie. And he blew the whistle before the puck crossed the line, but the puck was on its way in. Mm-hmm. There was nothing any New Jersey player could do about it. I don't know what they would have ruled on that. And and I think Tom makes good points, but I'm just presenting a counter-argument for things that could have gone wrong for the Oilers in that situation. Because the, the whistle did go before Kane shot the puck. Right. So what if they yeah. ruled that, yeah, he shot the puck and there was nothing anybody could have done about it or what have they said well Edler maybe let up a little bit and didn't try to clear it I don't like we'll never know I'm just present yep. I'm just presenting kind of a counter argument to it. it it is an interesting debate I find those those decisions now that it's in the coach's hands and that it's a de- delay of game penalty well, instead of losing your timeout yeah I, 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 I like think the way it is now and I find it absolutely really to talk about 100% because coaches before would just challenge just to stop the momentum from the other team so I think this is a much better rule it makes you think and it also, it's it's situational. I agree 100%. If this game was tied or if the Oilers were losing, 100% they would have challenged it. The 2 nothing lead changed their mind. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, before you would have lost your timeout. But yeah. so you couldn't just have ten challenge. Now you could, you could if you were scored on ten times, you could challenge all ten and risk getting <laughs> ten penalties depending on what it was. No, I think that's a really good call though from Tom. I think that's a interesting discussion. Fortunately, it didn't uh, ultimately prevent the Oilers from losing this game. They went four two to stay alive. We also have Kelly standing by. Hey Kelly, go ahead. Hi there, guys. Uh, no, I just want to make a comment. Like I agree with what Rob said. I think Archibald is is playing really well and he takes the body for not a, not a, he's not the biggest guy on the team but is there any chance of like if they put dry saddle and mcdavid not on the same nine that we could possibly see archibald on that top line because he can skate with mcdavid yeah I, I think he can skate with them. i don't know if he can think like mcdavid i think right now connor and his line mates are are, are synced pretty good i think kane and yamamoto uh, with Connor, are, are a very good line. I think they will go back to Leon uh, playing with Hyman, and then I don't know if it's going to be Yessi or if it's going to be McLeod. The one thing that we saw tonight is they mix them up. I mean, every, the whole story coming into today's game was going nuclear. It's going to be Connor and Leon together, and they were at times, but I think Connor played with just about everyone on the ice at some point tonight, and so did Leon. And I think that is what is effective against a team like Los Angeles that's trying this strict line matchup. They're trying to go Kopitar versus Dano versus. But if Connor and Leon are spread all over the place, it becomes much harder. And I think that's what uh, Jay Woodcroft's done. And he has a bigger advantage on home ice now because now he can decide at any time. And what we saw in the first couple of games on home ice is LA had to put their two best players on the ice for every faceoff, not knowing when Jay Woodcroft would throw his best players out. Oilers win 4-2. We will uh, get to Tyson Berry. We also have Brian and Heath up next in the batting order on the phone line. You're listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Part of the 11 and 7 strategy. Here's a dish. Kane to McDavid. Wrap around score. And Edmonton takes a 1 0 lead. 100 seconds into this first period. Connor McDavid's third goal of the series. And the Oilers have the positive start in game six. 
Yeah, fast start, minute 40 in. McDavid from Kane and CeCe. The team scoring first has won all six games in this series. Oilers win 4-2. The series is 3-3. Game seven is Saturday. Rob, tense times. Oilers went ahead with 5-10 to go and then had to kill off a penalty to Yamamoto. He got penalized for tripping with 3.37 left in the third. Yeah, that was an easy call for the referee. As Yamamoto, he stuck his leg way out. Ayafalo was not happy with that. Uh, I, If I was Todd McClellan, I would have pulled my goalie right from the beginning. Their power play isn't very good. Uh, they did score a goal tonight when they finally decided to shoot a puck. But, I, I mean, you're down a goal. You're playing in a game that if you win, you go on in the series. Your power play has let you down, make it a six-on-four. So... I think the LA Kings made a mistake there by not pulling their goalie right from the beginning, especially when you've got the centermen that you have that continue to win face-offs. Uh, but it did make it a little tense, and there were two saves that Mike Smith had to make on that penalty kill for the Oilers that were big, a one-timer from one side and a big booming slap shot from the other. Uh, Mike Smith was good again. He's given them quality starts in six straight games. They need one more out of him. Yeah, the only thing I didn't like from Smith was the poke to the private area of nope, dumb. Up, double that was dumb. I mean you can't yeah. like yeah I mean it, it there's there's no benefit uh, other than yeah no there's no benefit you take a penalty and you give a team that struggles to score goals an opportunity on the power play an opportunity to create momentum so it's it's something that uh, uh, I'm sure that he knows after he did it it was wrong um, and it certainly could have come and haunted the Oilers had the LA Kings scored. I mean, the next game, anything could happen. Hey, there's, uh, I mean, we, we saw a game a couple of years ago between San Jose and Vegas where uh, a missed referee call created a five-minute power play for a team that was being badly outplayed, and San Jose beat the Vegas Golden Knights. So you, you don't put yourself in a position in a, a, a must-win game by giving the referee an opportunity to make a, make a call. So... Uh, Mike Smith, that was a bad bad decision on Mike Smith's part. Okay, 780-496-0063 is the Certainty Hotline. Brian has given us a buzz tonight. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, good evening, guys. Great hearing you again. I'm over the moon with the Oilers, and I have no doubt we're going to be uh, we're going to be going to the second round. Here's my question: I'd like to post to uh, the two of you, and that and and I know it's something you don't like to talk much about. It is about the officiating, though. I mean, there were definitely uh, uh, more than one or two missed calls, especially on Drysaddle and McDavid. And here, here's what I'd like to know: We've got four officials on the ice. We've got we we they brought in a second referee, from what I, my understanding was, to catch right. the the plays that are on the back end. Now. Mm-hmm. In, when you look at football, uh, there are times, keepers, sometimes you see five and six flags on a play. If you go to baseball, if there's you know a questionable call about a strike or a check swing, they go to the, the third uh, base umpire or the first base umpire. Uh, you know, why is it that the linesman cannot call penalties? Because, they, I mean, my They God, can call penalties. Just they major call, penalties. Though. They can call major penalties. Yeah. Because, but I, I mean, Gary Batman said, you know, in that last interview, oh, we protect our stars. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, when you see what happened to, to, to Connor tonight, Leon tonight, when you see what happened to Crosby the other night, come on, guys. I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade, and that is, you're not, they're not protecting the, you know, like, do the officials ever come under the scrutiny of the league? Well, Absolutely. okay, several things. They, they do. And you should listen to the interview I did with Tim Peel before the other game because he's he's very good. And he said, I can't remember the exact call, but he said in the playoffs when he was working a few years ago, he screwed up a call in a game, and that was the last playoff game he worked that spring. Now, the NHL doesn't publicize that. I, I get it. They don't want to embarrass officials or let it known publicly. Oh, this guy was having a bad playoff, and now, now we took him out. So so they, they are punished not punished. They are. They are evaluated. Well, it would be a, that'd be a punishment. It yeah, would be. They, they lose money. the opportunity to work yep. more games. Now, do I think that the the league 
I'm not just going to say protects its stars, Rob. Sometimes I wonder if they protect its players. Yeah, okay. in, in you, don't, you don't protect. Yeah, you don't protect stars. You protect everyone. Nobody's more important. It's not going to say, "Hey, we got to protect Connor and Leon out here," but it's okay if someone does something to Russell. So that's wrong. Everyone should be protected the exact same way. I do believe, for the most part, the refs try to. They will miss some. It always happens. The game is one thing to watch the game on television. It's another thing to watch it in the stands. But it's a completely different animal when you're doing it on the ice. It goes so fast. Uh, but, I mean, these the referees in the National Hockey League are the best referees in the world, and it's not even close. Do they make all the right calls? No. Do they miss stuff? Yes, they do. The ones that are refing right now in the playoffs are the best referees in the best league in the world. So... Uh, there will be things missed, but most people will notice the things that are missed from their own team. There's going to be LA fans that'll say there was things missed the other way. Calgary fans will miss, they'll complain about stuff that, that doesn't get called against the Flames. The stars in that series will be the same thing with their fans. You always see what you what you believe is something that is wrong against your team. Now, were there things missed tonight? Yeah, there were, but that's part of the game and the players play through it. The coaches coach through it. So. Okay, but I think... I don't want to speak for Brian. I don't know if he's still on the line. Is he, is he gone, Kellen? Okay, I hope he's still listening. I, I, I would guess he's referring to Drysaddle being taken down in that scrum. Mm. So I guess we're kind of opening a can of worms here in a larger discussion. If a linesman saw, you know, kind of a slew foot situation there, could they call something like that? And if, he, yeah. he, here's something... You know, could that be a rule where a linesman could call that, even though it's a two-minute penalty? And then, no, it would be. It would have to be a major. Yeah, and first of all, I mean, we should like Kings fans are saying, well, that's great. You suspended Darnell Nurse, but he didn't get a penalty on the play. Five, should have been a five-minute major. Should have been a could have changed the game there. So, yeah. but but when I did that interview with Peel and Rob the other earlier this week on my show, I did a whole segment saying that the NHL doesn't communicate well with the fans. That, 100% you're right. So, I mean, you have YouTube, you have podcasts. They don't have to talk to media guys like me if they think, if they don't trust us or they think, you know, we're not we're not going to get the message out that they want. They could have Stephen Wacom take questions from fans once a month, even if they're BS questions. <laughs> you know, I mean, they mm-hmm. could just say, well, here's a call in this game. I understand why people are angry. But here's what the official would have seen on the play and why it wasn't forced that way. You know, well, like because it, so when we hear from official, actually hear from officials or people who are knowledgeable, we get good information. Now, yep. here's the issue I have. I know you want to jump in, Rob, but just yep. I want to finish this thought. Peel said the other night that if you want to stop scrums, pick a guy out of the scrum. Don't make it even. We have not seen that happen in this series that I can recall. They've always evened it up. Calgary and Dallas in some periods have played more four-on-four than (laughs) five-on-five. Um, well, actually, no, there were a couple scrums last game. The Oilers got extra penalties. The Cassian cross-check and the Kane incident with the no at center. So maybe I shouldn't say every time, but I think tonight they, they could have had opportunities to give a team a power play. And and they didn't. So if they want to stop the scrums and the potential for for dry settle getting taken down like that, then then punish somebody. That's that's yep. what I'm saying. And but it goes both ways. And we saw it when they take Leon down. But there's scrums where Kane is in there. Where Cassian yes, but is that's in what there. I'm saying. I'm not saying yeah. it's just an Oilers thing. Then enforce no, it. Then pick a guy. They're not. They don't do that enough. The, no, you're right. They don't. They never do. As far as the other one you were talking about, where the the referees come out and talk if you watch a referee go over and tell a coach okay here's what i saw here's why i made this call or didn't make this call the coach might not be happy but he's like all right okay now i see what you say and that's why if a referee comes out okay for example the one where Connor mcdavid and the, i can't remember the guy's name they ran into each other at center ice Kaliev. Kaliev. so on that one there here's what i saw i saw both players looking back and at the last second Kaliev braced himself because he was about to run into McDavid. There was no intention. If a ref comes out and says that, I'm like, okay, that's what you saw. I can't argue with you. That's what they need to do more of. I, I wish that at the end of a game, if there's a controversial call in a game that changed the, the way the direction the game went, that they have the referee out and they interview him and say, okay, here's what I saw. Here's why I did it. Because 99% of the time, the referee, when he makes a call, it's because of what he saw or what he missed and what can be honest about it, or here's why I saw it, or this guy was in my way, so I couldn't see it, I just saw the last glance, then it's easier to accept. But when something is 
not called and you're like, hey, how did you miss that? And then there's nothing from the National Hockey League. And there's nothing from the referee. That's why players get upset, coaches get upset, and fans get upset because, okay, how did you miss that? Now, there's probably a reason why you missed it, but tell me so that now I can sleep better at night knowing that you just aren't incompetent. You actually missed it because of this reason. <laughs> or maybe he is incompetent. And no, he, he might he be. Well, that's more, more playoff games. But exactly. Yeah. I want to know if you're incompetent. Then, I, then yeah. I'm not going to yell at you as much because I know that you're not capable of making that right call. Yeah, I, th- it's a really interesting subject. And I know a couple times this season, Rob, we, we really dove into it. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I think it, it is worth an intelligent discussion other than mm-hmm. just saying, well, all the refs suck or they're corrupt because it's not that easy. And I, nope. I always do try to think because refs have the it's usually ex refs you get to talk to have said the game looks different on the ice. Oh, God, you know, yeah. there's eight, there's 18,000 people in the stands all above the ice surface unless you have seats along the boards and then TV, you got the the view so then you have these two guys who are on the ice with a totally different view from everybody else making the calls well, and even it, on that it, Yamamoto goalie interference penalty I didn't think it was goalie interference and then when I saw the slow motion replay I definitely didn't think it was goalie mm-hmm. interference but I could understand why the ref 14 feet from the play thought it might have been goalie interference well, especially depending where he's, yeah depending where he's standing is he on the other side of the net where is it? it's funny I've uh, I've refed probably four or five kids games where my son had been in a game and the game afterwards didn't have a referee and I've gone out and ref games just because I was there and I had skates. I tell you, it is a completely different thing when you ref the game because you're watching so many things at the same time as well as skating and moving around the ice. Everything's going faster. And this is a kid's game that isn't fast. Everything is faster. It's a completely different view. So the referees that are refing, they've got to watch. There's 12 guys on the ice. And they've got to watch the play as well as everything behind the play, as well as try not get involved in the play, get away from the puck. All of these things at the same time, well, these guys are going 35 miles an hour. And you got to be wary of the puck that's capable of going 95 miles an hour. So the referees, for the most part, do a good job. Now, not all the refs are great, but I can still tell you, I've played in the minors. I've played uh, international hockey. These are by far the best, and there's nothing even close out there compared to what these guys are it's a tough job some of them are very good some of them aren't but they're the be- they're better than the bad ones that aren't in this in this national hockey league so uh, when you're watching a game if you're watching a game that doesn't involve a team you like the ref seems to be better in that game just because you don't have as much uh, skin in the battle but i i do wish they they did something even if the nhl oh, just yep. puts it on their own website and just it's, well, it's- an nhl.com employee asking Wacom. It would still be better than nothing, which is generally what we get now. And sometimes, oftentimes, when they put out an explanation, it'll say, like, here's an explanation of the goaltender interference challenge at 19 minutes of the first period. Video replay showed there was no goalie. Like, (laughs) you're not explaining it. You're just saying, well, we looked at, like, I don't know. Anyway. And it's true. At, At the end of every night, if you go to either of the big sports channels in Canada, there will be four or five different plays that they will highlight with okay here's a missed opportunity here's a missed call or here's a call that shouldn't have been called so the nhl knows which ones are the ones that people are wondering about so you're right every even every monday say all right this is what happened on the weekend here's 10 calls that we are going to show you why the referee made the call he made and i tell you it would be uh educational as to see why the referees are making these calls to understand their point of view and their side of it because there's sometimes you're watching it and you're like, hey, I have no idea what he just saw or why he made that call. But if they explain it, I mean, at least you'll have an idea. You might not always agree with it, but at least you'll know what his thought process is. So I do think that is, especially nowadays in social media, they should, that's, this should be an easy, easy sell to yep. the NHL. Here's what we want. And it's a good thing towards the fans saying, all right, fans, you want to know why referees do make these calls? Well, here's the referees explaining it. Okay, Heath and JP, we are going to get to you, and you're still going to hear from Tyson Berry, who got the game winner tonight with 5-10 left in the third. The Oilers win 4-2. Game 7 is Saturday. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. McDavid, three points. Kane, three points. Smith, 30 saves. The Oilers have forced Game 7. First Game 7 hosted by the Oilers 
since April 16th, 1990. They beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-1. We will have it for you, of course, right here on 6.30, Chad, with coverage starting at 6 o'clock. We have Heath on the Certainty Hotline. Heath, go ahead. Oh, hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Good. Uh, that Brian guy got you a little fired up, didn't he? Well, I don't feel like I was fired up. I just think it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I guess that's true. Hey, I'm uh, I'm going to ask you a question about Evan Bouchard. What do you think about his play this series? Uh, up and down. Uh, I yeah. think there's been times where he's looked comfortable, and there's been times where he's looked stressed. Yeah. Um, these are. I mean, it's a big moment. It's only going to get bigger and bigger if they get by Saturday's uh, hockey game and move on to the next round. But uh, growing pains. I think there's things that he does very well, and there's some things that he still needs to work on. But I thought tonight he was fine. Uh, he, last game, he, he not was, very good. Tonight, yeah, last yeah. game he was terrible. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, he had a, he. It, for me, it's one of those ones. Game seven, do you put Russell in instead of him? That's that's you a good know. question because I thought Russell well, was excellent off, tonight. You know, Shot and block. Uh, yeah. I can't even speak, but you know, blocking shots, right? Uh, Russell's yeah. a king at that. And no, nope. you're, you're absolutely right. Shy away from the from the physical play and the hits, and you know, you won't take a hit to make a play. And no, I, I, I think I, I'm I, I, I've got all the time in the world for for Russell. I think he does everything that he's expected to do, if not more. Um, uh, he doesn't have the upside that a Bouchard has. Uh, but he certainly is pretty consistent. I think the, in a perfect world, you would go seven defensemen. Unfortunately, with Leon, if he's banged up, uh, there's the fear if you go 11 and seven and Leon somehow can't finish or twist his ankle or whatever it is, now you're down to 10 forwards and now you're a little short-staffed. So, but yeah, it, that, that's a good point, a valid one. I just think, I don't think they'll do it. I think that they believe that Bouchard's upside when he plays well is higher than Chris Russell can attain. But uh, good thought. And, uh, again, I have all the time in the world for Chris Russell in my lineup. I, I, I'd honestly go 11-7 and seven again. No, I, the only fear... No I agree, the only fear... Broberg. Yeah, the only fear, the only fear I have, though, is if Leon is hurt. And now all of a sudden, oh, if yeah, he can't sure. finish the game, then you're down to 10 forwards. I, I, I like 11-7 and seven better. I like it better for the Oilers. But you, Leon was laboring. And you, you've seen so far in this series where... Pugliarvi can't get more than six, seven minutes in a game. They don't have the trust in him right now. So all of a sudden, you're really short-staffed if Leon isn't capable of playing a full game. If he's capable, then I'd go 11-7, 100%. All right, we got JP standing by. JP, go ahead. Well, you know what? I First off, I want to say, what a nice late night Keith Ledger call just with the last guy. Uh, okay. Oh, he was a crap pun. You know this, but I'm having fun. I'm listen. Reed, you know me. I'm the fact I'm keeping things together right now. I feel like yeah. I'm at a carnival. I feel like I'm at gate day, whatever. I don't care. But let me tell you right now, I'm a winner tonight. I got the uh, motorbike from gate day. You know when you uh pay pay side by side back, you smash play. Listen, let's get down the brass back, shall we? Chris Raphael, my God, this guy, he must have nurse looking for right up there because I'm telling you right now, he be the answer. Rusty, I am about to cry because this guy was putting his body on the line like he was on the doctor table all night. He get operate on. I feel like, oh, how are you operating on this guy? You're playing the game and everything with your hand when you try to play the game. You know how this works. You always try, but it end up ending. Uh, yeah, I will buzz, he buzz. But whatever. Listen, Saturday night, I can't wait to call you guys. And I want at the end of the night, to have an autograph from you, please, Rob. Me is gone. For crying out loud, it's been three, four, five, seven years. I mailed, didn't you get it? I mailed it to you. I, I mailed it like about three months ago. Well, I just wrote JP on yeah. the envelope. Well, I, I thought they would find it. Just me. like Santa Claus. You don't have to put the address on the just envelope. JP well, just gets to JP. Well, like Actually, Tom JP Edmonton, probably a bar. FedEx. You're like Tom Hanks from Castaway uh, <laughs> with FedEx. <laughs> My goodness, because, well, eventually I'll get the wings. I'll see it. No big deal. And I can't wait. But let's get on a run, Amazon. We're on a mass of terror, you guys. I'm not sleeping for two days. Simple as this. Simple as this. Read up. Thank you for the call. Rusty, 
All right. Well, we might have to get a translator. I heard something about a motorbike, Rusty. I think there was a Heath Ledger reference, and something about an autograph. Does he say something about breaking plates? I just, I'm not, I'm not sure what which language you're going to get the translator for. I think it's a combination of about five or six. I'm not just sure. It's just two different languages he speaks. That was JP, who was always entertaining. Who we, we will live in fame. Because he did predict 6 nothing in Game 2 after the Oilers lost Game 1. Oh, so we should have asked for a impressive. Saturday night prediction. No, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. I do. I mean, everyone's under pressure on Saturday. It's Game 7. All right, Rob. Uh, <laughs> tell you what. Here's Rob. You go to bed. <laughs> Thank you. And goodness. I'm going to take a break, and we'll uh, play the Tyson Berry. We'll play his goal, and we'll play his post game. Coming up next on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. All right, the Oilers win it 4-2. Tyson Berry with the game winner with 5-10 left in the third period. Here he is. So anything interesting happening to you lately? <laughs> <laughs> Got a lucky one. <laughs> just maybe take us through that, uh, through the way that play went and what you saw. Yeah, I just uh, kind of saw the puck turn over, I think, and um, we we're headed the other way. And for whatever reason, there was a big gap between me and, and Leon, and uh, I just thought I could jump in and kind of make it an on man, and uh, he made a nice little sauce over to me, and um, kind of got lucky to be quickie there. You know, he's been playing, uh, he's been playing great so far out, so um, just uh, kind of a nice to see that one go in. Can you take just half a step forward. I sure can. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. What, what was the uh, sense of elation and pressure being relieved like after that? Call? Yeah, it was nice. You know, there's still five minutes left though, and then. Um, you know, we obviously took a penalty, and uh, they were pouring it on pretty good. So uh, I think you see, you watch all the games around the playoffs. There's no, you know, you can't uh, take your foot off the gas at all. It's, uh, it can change quickly. So um, it was a great job by us, you know, big game, and we're sending it back uh, back to uh, Edmonton. So we're, we're excited. Tyson, maybe take us through the demeanor on the bench after the Kings scored to tie things up in the third and as that period kind of went on. Yeah, we uh, we give one up early, and you know, then it's uh, it's back to zero zero. So we're just uh, I think we did a good job at not, you know, turning it into a track meet, and we just stayed patient and and you know tried to wear them down. And they had some looks, we had some looks, but uh, you know, it came down to the last five. So um, I thought we did a did a good job of not getting down on ourselves. Tyson, a comment on your captain's leadership tonight. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. This guy's. Uh, I mean, you guys all get to see what he does. Uh, you know, every night as far as the skill and and the goals and everything, he sets a tone for us again early. But you know, you can see his battle level. He's in every every battle above every check. He's doing everything right, and um, you know, you can tell how bad he wants us. So we're lucky to have him on our side, and uh, you know, we got to get one more for him here. It was a big situation for you guys. You're on the road facing elimination. You come out, you get exactly the start you wanted. Uh, when the two-goal lead goes away, you, you come back and win anyway. Did you show your uh, show yourselves a couple of things in this game that uh, you can help build for Game 7? Totally. Uh, we've been doing it all year. We've been, you know, adversity, and uh, this is no different. And we knew we had to have a game tonight, and we did a lot of good things. And, uh, you know, that's hockey. We gave it back to them a little bit, but we didn't break, and uh, we found a way to get one. And I think it, uh, you know, shows a lot of character in that group. And now we're... You know, we're, we've got home ice. We're headed back for Game 7, and I think the, the boys are pretty pumped. Drysaddle looked from upstairs like he could barely push off on one foot, uh, yet he's in on the, gives you the puck for the winning goal. Uh, what do you think about how he played? I mean, that's what he does. He's, uh, you know, he makes those plays in his sleep. He's, uh, he's a talented guy and one of the best passers you'll ever see. So, um, you know, we're not disclosing if it's lower upper body injury. So I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, I thought uh, he was great tonight and he battled and um, it was nice to see him be involved in that, uh, the winner. If I say April 28, uh, 2019, what comes to mind? You know, that must have been... Uh, your only other playoff goal. Oh, okay, yeah, sir. So you don't have any real recollection yeah, of that now? Yeah. <laughs> it was this one. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Sorry. I think uh, that one was in San Jose, yes. and it was uh, middle of the round. But, no, this one, uh, to, you know, send it to game seven, you know, that's uh, it's awesome. It's, yeah, it's great, yeah. What, do you, yeah. what do you expect to find Saturday night in a, in a Saturday night game seven in Edmonton? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't wait. Uh, they've been amazing all year, all playoffs, I think. You know, you guys have seen the crowds and, and what they're getting up to, so <laughs> it's going to be bonkers in there, and um, we can't wait to get uh, get on the ice for Game 7. It's going to be awesome. Well, that, I mean, not to 
be the bearer of bad news, but you're one and two at home. Do you have to be careful not to let that emotion get the best of you in a, in this game seven? Uh, I think, you know, game one maybe was the only time that, you know, we were a little nervous or whatever, but we've settled in now. Give them credit. They played a couple good games in our rink, but no, we, we want to be at home for this one and we want to... We want that rink rocking like it will be, and um, we'll be ready for it. What made your defense successful tonight without Darnell Nurse in the lineup? What did you guys do? We just, you know, you can't replace Nursey, but we're just keeping it simple, and everybody's, you know, not taking unnecessary risks. We're, we're staying above our checks, and, and you know, you're, you're competing. Everyone's competing. Um, there's no secret. It's just every shift counts, every little play, so I think that was the mindset. That is Tyson Berry. Huge goal this evening. Evander Kane seals it with an empty netter. He had two tonight. Connor McDavid scored early in the first, and the Oilers stay alive. We have Game 7 coming up Saturday night right here at Rogers Place. I was here for the watch party tonight. Another enthusiastic crowd on hand. Get more on this game and on the Oilers on globalnews.ca, 630chet.com. Connor McDavid, a finalist for the Hart Trophy against Matthews and Shesterkin. That was another story. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound. Oilers now coming up from noon to 2. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. So our broadcast Saturday, 6 o'clock face-off show, puck drop at 8. First game 7 in Edmonton since April 16th, 1990, when the Oilers beat the Jets 4-1. Oilers hockey is presented by Friesen Brothers. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers stay alive. 4-2 win in L.A. Good night. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.